Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Romans 5, 5 says this, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So if you think this life is impossible, we can get on the, we can get on the path realizing that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live and love, not the way the world lives and loves, but the way the Father and the Son live and love. In Ephesians chapter 5, followers of Jesus are given an incredible command which is to be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, the Apostle Paul is calling us to act like our Heavenly Father in love and character. That might sound impossible to you, and it is, but thank God that all of God's calls and commands come with the empowering grace and power of God to obey. We will see that call is to walk in love, light, and wisdom. This is the Christ-centered and cross-centered life we are all called to live as opposed to the self-centered life that used to define us. To learn more and to be empowered by the Word of God, here's Pastor Jim. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. At the end of chapter 4, we had been learning uh, where the Apostle told us if we're going to be followers of Jesus, what we need to do is to put off the old life of the sinful flesh and put on the new life in Jesus Christ. Okay, so what does that mean? Quite simply, it means to live a life of love with the Lord Jesus Christ as our power, as our Redeemer, as our Savior, as our motivation. We are motivated by His love and also as our example. I always hesitate when I say that because there's a lot of people that only think Jesus is our example. And he is our example, but he is far more than just our example. So whenever people just say to you, well, Jesus was an example, we're supposed to challenge, we're supposed to, you know, always be like him, uh, don't don't feel bad about uh, challenging that somewhat. Uh, This love that he's talking about is to be Christ's love. It is not uh, some gushy Hollywood emotion. It is a sacrificial love for the salvation and the blessing of others. And here in chapter 5, once again, the Apostle Paul is going to look at how we walk or how we live. And how we live, he looks at it in terms of that is proof that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, not all change comes all at once. But some things must change. So if there's no change, not a good sign. And so there's some tough stuff we have to go through. Now this study, really, especially these first uh, seven or so verses, or probably verses three through seven, are particularly relevant for our culture in our generation. And those of you who are older, again, I always let you decide whether you're older or not, and those of you who have been Christians a while, you have seen various debates within Christianity, if you follow that sort of stuff. You've seen those debates come and go. 
they circle, they circulate, sorry, and they recycle. And uh, some would call them an in-house debate. I'm not so sure uh, how in-house they are because sometimes some of the people who are causing them seem like they live in another house, not, at, not in God's house. And, and so one of the debates that's going on right now is, and some of you hopefully are going to be like, that is ridiculous, people are even talking about it, is the necessity of holiness for followers of Jesus. Some people think it doesn't really matter how you live. It's okay because Jesus loves you. He forgives everything, and, and don't worry about that. Now, let me ask you, those of you who are married, is that you take that attitude from your spouse? <laughs> it doesn't matter how they live? <laughs> yeah, it sure does, that's for sure. And, and I think it's fair to say that the current church culture, and maybe we're not keenly aware of, of what you know, goes on. We, we drive by a lot of churches, but... We're not keenly aware of, what, of what's going on, but a lot of current church culture doesn't seem to believe in a wholehearted commitment to Jesus Christ and his word. A lot of people will just say, well, you, you can live however you want. You can, you can do you know, whatever you want. Some people just say, well, you know, do what you can. And, and I'm, in a sense, I agree with that. You, we only have so much time in a week, in a day, in, in a lifetime, so... So we want to do what we can for Jesus, but, but I think sometimes we're too casual about it. You know, figure out, given your life and your, you know, your schedule and, and all that's going on, what you can do for the Lord, and, and, and make a commitment to it. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, just come when you can. Well, if you tell people to come when they can, you know what they do? They come when they can. <laughs> and so we, you can never run anything that way and, and you know, make a commitment and, and do your best to stick to it. Another area where uh, the culture has invaded the church is in the area of restraint. We're not much for restraining ourselves these days, and particularly in the area of sexuality. And now we're seeing a lot of things unfolding in our culture, and from an earthly perspective, I know for a lot of people, they're just like, well, let's just roll with the culture. I mean, you know, a lot of you'll hear people say, um, you know, just just go just go along with it, and and many churches do, and people use the old excuse like, well, it's never been this bad before. Well, you want to know something in in the context of which this letter to the Ephesians was written, it was worse. It was worse. The the big attraction, one of the wonders of the world, was the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana, and. One of the things that they did, part of the way they got people in the door was part of your worship was to align yourself with temple prostitutes. It's attractive ministry, some might say. You're attracting people. You know, come to our church. We have temple prostitutes. And, and, and so we, we may be bad, but we're not doing that in, in too many churches that I'm aware of, at least. But then again, I, maybe I need to get out of the church a little, get out of the house a little bit more. But the Apostle Paul, even in that environment, is writing of the necessity of repentance and holiness. Because a lot of the people in the church in Ephesus and the surrounding communities came out of that, that religion. And Ephesians 5.1, we're going to be told to be imitators of God as dear children. Now, what, what does that mean to be imitators of God? Sometimes that uh, imitator is not a great word in our culture. When somebody says it's, it's imitation 
Chocolate, ladies, you're like, I don't want that. My wife's like, I don't eat imitation chocolate. I indulge in the, in the, in the real thing. And, or when somebody's in doing, imitating someone, we, f- we figure someone's doing an impersonation thing of, uh, on the television or something like that. But my mom used to have an expression back in the day. I just got off the phone with her, actually. And uh, my, my mom used to have a, a, an expression she used to say to me, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And so we are to be, in that sense, imitators of God. In other words, we are to act like our Heavenly Father in character. Uh, Simply put, as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we begin to live consistent with how the gospel has changed us. And and here in chapter 15, we're not going to get to chapter 5, sorry, we're not going to get to all of them today. Uh, There's three walks. Verse 2, we are to walk in love. Verse 8, we are to walk as children of the light. And verse 15, we are to walk circumspectly, or we are to walk in wisdom. So this is the Christ-centered life. This is the cross-centered life, which is opposed to the self-centered life of what he's going to talk about, indulgence, immorality, and greed. Now, last week, chapter 4 ended with verse 32, and he said this, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why should we do that? He gives us the motivation. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Now remember, there's no chapter division in the, in the letter. So that was put in later so we could find stuff easily. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, because Christ has forgiven us, be imitators of God as dear children. So remember, letter to a church. Remember, we've already seen that we have been adopted by God to be part of his family. The first three, a little bit more into chapter four, was the the doctrinal section telling us all these things Christ has done for us and then telling us how we are to live in light of the things that Christ has done for us. And so we have been adopted by God into his family. And God's desire for his family is similar to another old expression, like father, like son. So if God has a family and he wants us to be like him, what can we deduce? He wants us to be part of the family. So uh, for followers of Jesus, following Jesus includes being part of the family of God. And so if you're going to be part of the family of God, you're going to have to learn how to forgive people. People are going to have to learn how to forgive you. We're all going to, in terms of forgiveness and love and some of the things we talk about tonight, we're going to have to learn to become, uh, what he says here in verse 1, imitators of God. What does an imitator of God look like? Well, it was actually in last week's passage, uh, chapter 4, verse 24, in righteousness and holiness, verse uh, 32, which we just read, in forgiveness. Jesus himself said this, Luke 6, 36, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So now, why do you think the Apostle Paul is telling us some of this stuff? Because, remember we've said many times before, he's a task theologian. He's addressing certain things that are going on, and he takes the problems to task. Because it's a problem, or has become a problem, in the Ephesian church. It seems that some of the people have lost their identity as part of the family of God. 
And when we lose our identity in Christ as part of God's family, there's some things that we can expect. You might want to be jot these down and write not too encouraging. (laughs) We we can expect uh, bitterness. We can expect anger. We can expect self-centeredness. All of these things that we used to be that we have to put off, we're putting back on again if we're not careful, and, and they begin to rear their ugly, ugly head again. Uh, so again, what is needed? Put off the old man, put on the new man, living out who we already are in Jesus Christ. But here's a very important thing to, to realize. He talked about it in verse 32. He's going to talk about it of chapter 4. He's going to talk about it in verse 2 in just a moment. It's not just talk. It's action. It's very easy to be guilty of what we might call love talk. You know, love you, bro. You know, anytime you need something, just give me a call. And you're like, I don't even need to call you. Let me tell you what I need right now. Oh, bad time, bad time. It's always a bad time. It's always a bad time. Like my pastor always says, don't ever say to the pastors of the church, uh, you know, if you need me, just give me a call. He always said, Alice, nobody will ever call you <laughs> because it's always a bad time. And so, so love is, is, it's not just love talk, it is love backed up by action. John 3.18, my little children, First uh, John 3.18, my little children, let, not love, uh, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So from the Father's love that we are to imitate, he moves us to Christ's love. He says, verse 2, and walk in love, live a life of love, as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So again, walk in love, be, be loving to one another. We are to be loving to one another and to other Christians, other people too. And the motivation, as Christ also has loved us. Now you might be mad at particular people or angry at particular people and you say, well, I, I'm, I'm not too happy with them, what they did to me. Uh, they don't deserve my love. Well, did you deserve Christ's love? Look at all the t- things we did to him. And so he says, as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, so he made a sacrifice, an offering, and the idea is Christ did it voluntarily. God doesn't want to have to twist our arm in these things. And a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Old Testament language there pertaining to the sacrifices. So interesting, when he wants to talk about love, where does the Apostle Paul take us? He takes us to the cross. He takes us right to the cross, and he says, Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, made himself an offering for us, a sacrifice to God. But there's a couple important points that we have to realize about this, because sometimes when we think about Christ giving himself for us, some people only take that in the sense of, well, that was a nice thing he did, and they don't think so much about it. Uh, so, they, so they kind of discount it. But in other ways, other, think, well, other people think, well, I could never do anything like that, so, so what's the point? So Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. Anyone who would turn to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ will actualize or will realize the forgiveness of those sins, new life in Christ, and be adopted into the family of God. We also know that on the cross that Jesus represented us in death. 
we who are Christians, if anyone's here and they're not a Christian, we're, we're glad that you're here. We can, we'd be happy to, to pray with you tonight if you want to seek Christ, if you want to put your trust in him. But on the cross, Jesus Christ also represented us. He paid for our sins, but he also represented us in death. We don't have to die anymore. We are, no, we are not going to die. We're going to be absent from our body, present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the apostle said this, For the love of Christ compels us. We are motivated. We are pushed forward. We are under compulsion because of the love of Christ, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Now, again, that's how he was our representative in death. Now, there's a couple things we have to be clear on. It is impossible for you to be the representative for all the world in death. We understand that, don't we? It is impossible for us to die for the sins of others. Now, we can, we can take the penalty for someone else's crime or something like that, but we can't take their sins away. They still did it. So these are things that only Jesus can do. However, we can make sacrifices for people. We can make willing sacrifices for people. So the things that Jesus did in terms of paying for our sins and redemption and the sending of the Holy Spirit and adoption into the family of God, we can do none of that. But like Christ, because he sacrificed voluntarily and willingly for us, we can sacrifice voluntarily and willingly for others. So what the apostle is doing here is he is showing us in a practical sense what true Christ-like love looks like. It is the commitment that the people in the family of God, in the local church, in the church at large, it is the commitment that we are to have to one another. Now, I'm going to be critical here for a second, but I'm going to say this, that it sadly seems to me that few American Christians realize this. Few American Christians see this. They seem to be all about what's in it for me, what, what did I get out of it. You know, people all the time, they go to church and they go, well, I didn't get that much out of it. We come to church to worship God. Remember that? How many times are we going to go over that? We come to church to worship God. We worship God when we sing. We worship God when we pray. We worship God when we hear what he has to say in his word. And then what we are to then go out and love like Christ loves. Now, by, by, by tying it to the cross, do we realize what an amazing challenge this really is? By tying it to Jesus' sacrifice of his own life, we're worried about a little bit of a sacrifice of time or a little bit of money. By sacrificing his own life and, and, and challenging us and by tying it to the cross, he's showing us that to walk in love, that's the commandment, to walk in love involves costly, personal sacrifice. You can't dance around this. This is what he's talking about here. It is putting others first in order to build up the body of Christ. It is, it is laying our own personal comfort aside. It is laying our own agenda aside for others. Now, some of you go, absolutely impossible. No way. I'm an American through and through, even though I've only been in this country for six months. It's happened already. I'm an American through and through, 
and every commercial and every television ad I watch and everything that's going on, I, selfish, selfish, selfish. Romans 5, 5 says this, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So if you think this life is impossible, we can get on the, we can get on the path realizing that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live and love not the way the world lives and loves, but the way the Father and the Son live and love. So what, is that, what does that look like in real life? Well, well, on the cross, Jesus was a sacrifice for others. We always say he died in our place for our sins. And to sacrifice for others is really to do something for them or towards them in, in their place. I'm going to do this for someone so they don't have to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to help someone so, so, so they're not going to have to worry about this themselves. Perhaps nothing brings this out more of where we are in this place, in a, in a church, more than being a servant or serving. And sadly, there's all different kinds of things that go through people's mind when they, are, when they are serving in a church. One of them is that once they get a little bit soured and a little bitter, they start to look around at all the people who are doing nothing. Well, my advice to you is if you're looking around at all the people who are doing nothing, you're not busy enough, come see me, I have more for you to do. <laughs> As I often tell every, the young people at our church, they're saying, oh, I'm working so hard, I'm working so hard. I always say, the boss's job is to pile as much work on you as possible, and your job is to cry uncle. So if you're looking around at what everybody else is not doing, we got plenty of stuff for you to do. Because some people get very prideful about it. I'm serving. I'm serving. Remember, we don't have to serve. We get to serve. Serving God is a privilege. So you say, okay, well, I am serving. There you go. Well, what about your attitude? Are, 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 you, are you jumping in for others? Are you, are you, are you, let me ask you a question. When you come in, uh, most of the people here are one week on, one week off. Not everybody, but most of them are one week on, one week off. Do you check in on the people in your ministry? You're like, I would, but I'm 20 minutes late. Okay, come early. <laughs> Do you check in on the people in your ministry? Can I get you anything? You know, would you like a glass of water? Can I help you with something? You need something out of the supply closet. What's going on? Is everybody here today? Do you have, oh, they're coming late. You want me to help you hold down the fort until they get here? Is that, is that the way we're thinking? Or we're just so much about, I got to get in. I got to get in. I got to get in. Or, 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 or are we always expecting other people to cover for us? Is that, is that a sacrificial serving? Or is that kind of like, well, you know, I kind of, if it fits me. Or, or some people, and I'm just telling you what, what goes on, it goes on every church, goes on here, goes on, it goes on everywhere. It stops for a while when I talk about it, but I mean, I mean, a lot of people have Saturday night fever. You're like, what's Saturday night fever? Do you know, I'm going to inform you of this, do you know that when you put in a servant change on late Saturday night that it texts all the pastors? Do you know that? Some of you are like, no, I didn't know that. You're like, oh, February 8th, I won't be here. <laughs> You're like, it's October, bro. <laughs> right? and, and we're thinking, because we're always worried that it's a children's teacher. 
and we're going to have to we're going to have to find cover for, coverage for the children. Or Sunday morning. Do you ever get the Sunday morning servant flu? It's a strain of the blue flu that the cops get. <laughs> you know, people just say, "Oh, I don't, you know, I don't really feel like it today." You know, I. You think, well, you would never go through that, Pastor. I go through that every morning, every Sunday morning. I'm like, oh gosh, it's Sunday again. How faithful you are, Lord, to bring Sunday to us. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com and our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.